This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, joining me as always is Carthy Southway. Hello. And we are joining you after a pretty bonkers final day of the season, uh, not not quite Aguero levels, but you know, it was up there and we played our part in that by, unfortunately for them, relegating Burnley. 2-1 win for the Magpies at Turf Moor. Brace for Callum Wilson. Yeah, again... Excellent to see him actually get something. You know, it, it's been a long. I feel it's been a long time since he's been able to actually show his class properly to the to Newcastle fans, especially in this revamped team. So, just really cool to see what he can bring yet again when he, there's a full complement behind him. Yeah, it, it was a really good way for him to end the season, as we spoke about uh, last week. He played so well against Arsenal. You could tell how desperate he was to get on the score sheet, and he and he, and he deserved to with his performance. So I was, it was nice to see him get rewarded this week um, for that effort and, and finish the season on a high because it's obviously not been an easy season for him. He didn't got injured in December and then was out for you know pretty much about four four months. So. Yeah, strong, strong for him. Obviously, he had a the first one, of course, was a penalty. Which I mean, you've really got to. I mean, Nathan Collins, that handball. I mean, what was he thinking? Especially on a on a day like Sunday, you know, where it was so important for Burnley, and then he literally just goes and sticks his arm out, and just sort of reacts. And we were away then. Wilson, yeah, grabs another goal um, on the hour mark. Burnley did throw everything at us in the final stages. Maxwell Cornet did pull one back. Um, but yeah, they weren't able to to complete that comeback. Thankfully for us, yeah, nothing against Burnley really. But um, just from a Newcastle point of view, it would have been frustrating for us to um, you know give up a two-goal lead. Yeah, exactly. We've seen that before enough times in this season. And I, th- I think it would kind of go across... I go against, sorry, what Newcastle have built in the last couple of uh, matches that they've played this season... So to to go out after letting go of that, well, so to go out at the end of the season, letting go of a lead like that would would kind of sting. So the fact that you managed to drag yourself through it to the last bit was was always a positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, to be honest, we, we don't really have too much to say about the actual game itself. Um, Joe went off injured with uh, basically a big gash in his foot, but sounds like he'll be fine with after a week or two, really. So. Nothing really to be concerned about there. Otherwise, yeah, just nice, strong end to the season for us again after you know losing those games to City and Liverpool to bounce back with you know that amazing performance performance against Arsenal. Obviously helped by the fact that Arsenal didn't play very well, but you've still got to be able to capitalise on it when they don't turn up, and we did. Yeah, but it's also you know you you played against Arsenal's 
running of, of, of the game and, and that's why they didn't do so well so don't take the credit away from how, how Newcastle played because they prevented them from playing their game plan which was you know stopped them in their tracks before they even began yeah yeah absolutely and then you know again we didn't have anything riding on this game as I've said before so happy that that was the case but at this, by the same token you know that you it's it, final day of the season you've got nothing to play for sometimes yeah, teams, they are kind of just on the beach and, you know, it doesn't really matter. They don't really have anything to, to really try and go and play for. So to see us really um, commit to going out and getting that win was great to see. And, and what it ultimately meant was that we secured 11th place in the table. We could have grabbed 10th had West Ham beaten Brighton, but Brighton won, so again, fair play to them. I think it's just a really interesting season, the fact that there was still so much left undecided in this final game. You know, winners of the Premier League, uh, the, the people who were going to be relegated, there was so much still riding on this final th- um, end of the season. As as you just said, sometimes it can be everything's already decided, there's no point. But yeah, it was interesting. There was a lot of goals across the board, to be honest, and, you know, some... Uh, nail-biting moments for, for, for teams at both ends of the table. So, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting and fun time to keep looking at, you know, all the scores and the, the, the table placements and stuff as, as, as the information came in. Yeah, it's good. We haven't had too many of those in, in recent years. Um, so, so often the title has been decided long before... You know, there's not always been that much going on. Yeah, at, at the other end of the table, um, come the final day either. Um, so yeah, the the fact that there was so much going on, and like I said, the, it it did swing here and there a few times, especially in that battle at the top with City and Liverpool. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a decent final day, probably the the best we've had for a good few years anyway. Um, yeah. And like I say, ultimately, yeah, Newcastle eleventh place, forty nine points. So four more than last season. Otherwise, I mean, fairly, fairly similar record to last season where we were twelfth, a smidge better this time around. Which I think the main takeaway there is just that to actually, yeah, do act- end up doing slightly better than last season. And of course, we know that last season we had that awful run in the middle of the campaign where we were frankly dreadful, and, and Steve Bruce was lucky to stay in charge. In this one, it, it was really all all contained in that first half of the season but for us to to recover from that position that we were in and then finish where we have I, th- I think is really really quite impressive I'd be really really interested to to I don't know be a fly on the wall I guess to see what the difference is between as soon as Steve Bruce, Bruce left and you know Eddie Howe coming in what what is the difference? Because how can you do a job so badly and be so and have a team that's so demoralised to having a team that is completely different with with pretty much the same players? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Steve Bruce would have been given the money. He wouldn't have fought for it anyway. I don't think by all accounts. But he didn't have the money exactly to invest. But what is that change of mentality? Was it just that they, the manager themselves were very much more forceful and like, this is what we're going to do, this is what, when we're going to do it, um, and that, that type of information? Or or is it just that they just personally liked him more? Was he just more efficient? I have a feeling it's quite a lot of those factors, but I really would like to know, and I'd really have liked to have seen the change in, in the changing rooms of that that mentality, in the, you know, on the training grounds and, and all that, just how and why 
there was that massive click from I can't be asked and I don't want to be here. Yeah. Effectively. Um, and I'm not saying it's all the players' fault, but they sure as hell didn't actually want to be there to what they are now. We've said it before with Jolinson loads of times. And yeah, there's the odd player that, you know, did, did consistently show that, that they had they had class and, and, and style, but there were definitely some that didn't... Um, not even that the team wasn't clicking. Just didn't didn't want to show what they had. Yeah, I mean it's it's worth noting that although obviously it took a little while for us to get our first win under Eddie Howe, the performances did pretty much immediately improve. Which even even really from his first game in charge, more or less. You could just tell that the level was different, the, the effort, the, mm. and obviously the style of play. We ended up um, playing, you know, a, a bit more adventurous, a bit more forward-thinking football. Obviously, at times there was, you know, there were still games where we still set set up to defend and and, and try and go from there and, and hit teams on the counter. Which isn't a million miles away from, of course, what we were doing under Steve Bruce, and, and there are t- certain games and, and 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 opponents where you you pretty much need to do that against them. There's no you know there's no knock on that necessarily, but in the teams against the teams where we didn't have to do that, and in the, in the games where we didn't have to do that, to start seeing us being that bit more progressive was was so rewarding to see. And then, thankfully, we were then finally rewarded for our improved performances with our first win of the season on again it's worth remembering on the 4th of December <laughs> which I think was our I think it was our 14th game was our first win but, but that's the thing it wasn't just a new manager bounce which we see so so often and then you know things tend to trail off a little bit and uh, and become a, a steady line whether mm. that be improved the same or, or even worse but as we've seen since Eddie Howe's been in the, the yeah, don't get me wrong. There's been the odd bad day at the office, and the team hasn't played to how we expect. I can't even remember who it was against now, but I remember there was a a massive kind of sinking in terms of performances to what we've been seeing of the Newcastle team, which then obviously picked up next the next game. But it has been a fairly steady sign of progress all the way through, and obviously that's not going to be an exponential thing. That's not going to keep going on with the plays um, that that Newcastle have. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying. You, Things don't go on forever in that times of progress. There is going to be a plateau, but what we've seen is this this teamwork and this, um, I suppose, like the supporting of each other's playing. When people mm. have been going forward, there's been people dropping back, ready to defend. When people um, are going back, everyone's helping out, and all of that has improved. And they yeah. can't it can't just be better training, um, you know, and better tactics. Because yes, they will play a part, but not to the extent of, of, of what we've seen. And maybe Newcastle are reaching that plateau. Maybe that game against um, Arsenal was one of the best performances of the season. I don't necessarily think it. I think it was. Obviously, though, the result was was excellent. But right now, I would say at this rate, at, at, at the momentum that Newcastle have, do are a threat to the top six. I don't think any one of the top six, obviously, you'd still put money on Man City and Liverpool and all that jazz. But you you couldn't say that those teams were going to come and just have an easy day. Um, I I think right now you could quite happily 
say, yeah, I reckon Newcastle are going to give it a go. Maybe not win, but you'd be happy with the you know, rate of performance that, that the team's giving. And that's a really nice place to be as a supporter. And I can't say I've had that with Leicester this season. So <laughs> it's nice to have it in, obviously, the latter half. Don't get me wrong. The depression was real. Um, <laughs> but hopefully this is a place, that, you know, a new starting platform for, for, for the squad. And um, we'll see what happens with, with the new personnel who are no doubt gonna gonna be coming into this this squad but we've seen as as you will talk about in a minute with Bruno and how how slow and the slow integration of him into the, the squad which I think has worked quite well and we can only hope that an Everton situation doesn't come Newcastle's way where it's just like yeah now you've got a whole new team <laughs> and they're all shocked absolutely shocking <laughs> when playing with each other but yeah, sorry, I've just taken up a whole load of time there. But there you go, I've waffled over. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, I think, I think, I think you are spot on. And again, it's worth remembering our second win came on the 22nd of January. We finished the season with 13 wins. That means that between the tw- uh, the 22nd of January and the 22nd of May, we won 12 matches. That. Like literally, only like uh, only like City, Liverpool, possibly. I'm not even. I'm I'm not even sure how many other teams at all are actually above us in terms of form over the second half of the season. So that yeah, obviously that we'll we'll see how sustainable that is um, heading into next season. But yeah, that. Is a testament to to just how good a job Eddie Howe did in turning things around, and not only just getting like you say, maybe yeah. Sometimes you see a new manager bounce, and you know maybe your team gets two or three wins, but then they kind of trail off again, and they're still in trouble. To you know, to get us clear and then keep us clear, so impressive, and obviously, I mean. Well, we we finished the season with sixty two goals conceded, which was the same record actually as as last season. Which, considering how abysmal you were for the first half of the season, is not actually that bad. <laughs> well, exactly that. When you put it in the context of, and obviously, I I don't want to give all of the credit as some people are to like, oh well, yeah, you just threw a load of money out in January, so of course you stayed up and oh, they blah, can blah, jog blah. on with that. Come on, Man City, just saying. <laughs> but like. And I, I can't deny it, it played a factor, but I think there's a lot more to it at play. And, and obviously, Eddie Howe deserves a huge amount of credit for that. But we do have to say that a, a big part in that defensive improvement were the arrivals of, of Trippier, Dan Byrne and Matt Target. Because again, you put it in context, since Christmas, we've only conceded 19 goals. And 10 of them came in those two thrashings by Man City and Spurs. So... Take away those two. I mean, obviously they happened, but it's, it's two bad days at the office. If you set them aside, that's nine goals conceded since Christmas. Yeah, but in be- in like twenty, the better part of twenty games. Yeah, but that's people- that's a that's a really good. Um, it shows that improvement, so it it bodes well for next season, especially. You know, if 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 we add more defensive reinforcements, but exactly, and pe- people who were complaining about how much was spent, a Newcastle desperately needed players because they had no depth and injuries were a problem, so you needed to bring people in on January. B actually wasn't that much money, 
um, and see actually as we've seen with with how it's taken yeah it might have taken a couple of couple of times for a, a couple of games sorry for for players to get used to how the squad was playing but actually they were quite nuanced um signings at that and they've clearly worked out very well i mean i know you're gonna we're gonna shout out to the, the particular individuals here who have um come in and really pulled their weight and made their impact felt but you know i think i think they've all fitted in not just as individuals but people who have complemented those around them um and that's something that you can't always get just by by being big names <laughs> ronaldo <laughs> but yeah i mean that that is the thing like obviously the investment in january um helped a lot it, yes it was impress- unprecedented for a team in our position to spend that much money in january but at the same time We'll talk a bit more about this next week when we talk about the business that Newcastle hopefully did over the summer. Oh, they're um, desperate for filler content. <laughs> but, um, you know, a, a big part of the reason Newcastle are able to spend is because of years of chronic underinvestment. So even if you ignore where the money's coming from, and as a general rule, that is not something we do here, but just for the sake of this argument, even if you ignore that and, and, and all the moral um, implications... The fact is that if Newcastle had actually been spending like a normal Premier League team over the last 15 years, look, obviously, as we've seen with Everton, obviously there's no guarantee of anything, but chances are we wouldn't be in a position where we would even need to consider spending £90 million in January because we'd actually have a squad that was more readily able to compete. But just to, yeah, to sort of feed into your other point there, Cara, as well, I mean, we're about to shout out, um, I think, some of the most key players that for, for Newcastle this season. Obviously, a few of them are new signings, but the other thing, the other sort of key factor in us doing so well was that so many of the players who were already there massively stepped up their game, and you've got to give them credit, you've got to give Eddie Howe credit for that. Um, we'll get on to a few of those in particular, that I thought I think really deserved a shout out, but you have to say, pretty much across the board, almost every player who was already there before January did step up when they were called upon. Um, so you've really got to give everyone credit um, to an extent. But uh, I mean, to, to, to give some of the signings, obviously shout outs. Um, I mean, Bruno, as you said, took a, took him a little while to to sort of for how to I really integrate him into the team and, and to be fair again this is my other counterpoint to the people who just point at the money we'd already started winning several games before Bruno was properly integrated so that winning run wasn't just because we pumped a £40 million signing into the team He, by the time he actually came into the team we were a winning team already and he just helped us continue that exactly and one of the reasons why he wasn't starting for Newcastle when he first came in was because Players like Fraser and Jolington and and Shelby even yeah. um, were actually playing so well that to bring Bruno into when into that formation when it's already working might not necessarily have been the best thing and I, I think that competition for for the for, for the starting lineup actually helped all all players involved to be honest and it makes such a difference doesn't it yeah players who are wanting to play to play because they, they have to play well to remain on the team yeah. to play. And um, that makes it sound like a really, I suppose, mercenary 
way to think about it. And, and and maybe it is, but also these are professional footballers. The whole point is a competition. Um, I'm not saying they, they hate each other for it. I'm just saying the whole point is to improve and to better do better at the sport that they are playing for their job. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. W- w- when a player gets complacent in their position, you know, sometimes the effort can drop a bit. And it, as we've seen it at the, at the top of the top end of, of football and really at any elite sport, you know, that effort or, or what have you, it only needs to drop off a few percent. And then all of a sudden that actually has like a big impact. It doesn't have to be, a, you know, a 50%, you know, drop or, any, or anything dramatic like that. It, it can literally only be, you know, two or 3% and that can have that big ripple effect. It's, you know, those marginal gains that, um, that you know gets talked about at, at the top end of of sport so yeah it's it it, it, it as 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 yeah we, we we praise Eddie Howe deservedly for the job he's done and it isn't all about the money but yeah just the fact that we were able to inject that bit of quality does still have that you know that big impact um as well and Bruno yeah, I mean, he was, he's, he's, now, I mean, he's now absolutely cemented himself as a key player in that field. He, he makes everything happen. And also, again, for a player who was nominally brought in as a defensive midfielder, chipped in with five goals in the second half of the season, which was massive, you know, with Callum Wilson out. So, you know, obviously he deserves that huge shout-out. Kieran Trippier, again, hasn't actually played that much because, you know, he, again, he only played literally like three or four games at most and then he got injured and then he came back right at the end of the season so again most of that winning run was kind of without him but even in his brief time on the pitch you've got to say he's shown that he's going to be massive for us he's a he's such a leader you know he helps out in in the defense and going forward you know with his crossing and his free kicks he's going to be a real threat for us I honestly at, at think, both ends I honestly think he was a very intelligent signing um, someone with so much experience at, at pretty much at ev- every level of football, um, internationally and obviously uh, nationally at the high levels. I mean, someone to organise the back is that's what you desperately needed. Somebody to be able to run up and down the, the sides of the pitch, yep. what you desperately needed, and somebody who could actually make your set pieces dangerous ticks all of those boxes. Absolutely. And again, as you've just said, in terms of organising us at the back, well, Dan Byrne, you know, we were linked with some other other centre backs, and you know, there was a talk of you know a forty million pound move for I can't even remember the name now, but I think he played for Seville defender, all all these sorts of players, and then we end up getting Dan Byrne from Brighton for about twelve million pounds. Kind of came in a little bit under the radar, but honestly, no pun intended, he's been absolutely huge at the back for us. Uh, well, in every sense, hasn't he? But um, how tall is he again? I think six, seven. <laughs> I think. Um, and then Matt Target, just just a really solid player. And it, for, I think the the biggest impact for us. I mean, don't get me wrong. Credit to Target, he he has been good. But just the fact that we literally had an actual left back playing at left back, and like I say, he's just a solid player. Hopefully, we can make his stay permanent this summer because he's definitely. He'll, he he definitely will have earned it if if we're able to um to to do that deal with Villa. 
But then, yeah, as we were saying before, just some of the players who were already there. I mean, you touched on like players like Shelby before. Uh, Emil Kraft, I think, also deserves a shout out as someone who I thought was a bit hopeless and actually a, a bit hopeless is that might have a future with us. <laughs> but then also, I think the two that I really wanted to single out, who I think you'll agree with me here, Ryan Fraser, chipped in with some really important goals and assists. Um, you know, to really help kick us on when that winning run really got going. Um, obviously, we, with it, uh, you know, there was a bit of injury and, and stuff like that and, and Bruno coming into the team. We haven't seen quite as much um, in the final sort of weeks of the season um, as much as we did maybe sort of January to March kind of time. But he, he was a big player for us um, in that time, played really, really well, contributed a lot. So, yeah, big shout-out to Ryan Fraser. We started seeing a bit more of what he can do in terms of being that assist machine that he was at Bournemouth. So, again, hopefully that's something that he can do for us next season. Especially now that Wilson's back in in the team. Because when Fraser started um, being started, Wilson was injured. So we didn't quite get the full impact, I feel, that that, that Fraser, as you say, has been shown to be able to offer. Um, But, yeah, and then uh, your new signing, Jolinton. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know where he came from because it sure as shit wasn't Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, like I said we we touched on him last week. Uh, very deservedly, one hour player of the season, and we've. I mean, it's not really anything we haven't already said. I mean, we have proper dicked on him. Well, the, the <laughs> at the start of the season, we did. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Don't don't even lie. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I can't ever remember seeing. A transformation this dramatic from, yeah, let's face it, a bit of a sort of no hope donkey striker, you know, forty million pound dud to basically a world class midfielder, who frankly would have would get in on 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 the form that he's displayed since basically since Eddie Howe came in since sort of October time. Genuinely, you look at the Premier League. And I think he would walk into almost any team outside the big six. And he would probably have a very good chance of starting in at least two or three of those as well. Obviously, not your cities and Liverpools, of course, but... That's mainly because they're congested with players. <laughs> but honestly, that's... that, And I know I'm biased, but honestly, I think that's how good he's been. And I, I can't wait to see, hopefully, him carry that on next season to be that key part of our midfield next season. Him and Bruno, our Brazilian boys in the middle. Oh, with their stupid matching hair colours <laughs> as well. Oh my God. Yeah. What a bromance. <laughs> hey, if they if they want to keep playing like each other and playing as well as they can, they can do whatever they want with the hair as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, honestly, I, I can't, I literally can't shower him with enough praise for this season. Can I just say one of the nicest things about this transformation of Joel Linton? Yeah. He actually seems happy. Yes. Because he did not seem happy and he seemed depressed and upset and not really wanting to be there. And I don't think it was not wanting to play for the club. I just think he was unhappy with performances, unhappy with the results, just unhappy with everything and whether or not he blamed himself because a lot of the fans obviously blamed him. Um, All of that's obviously going to have an effect on on your mental health and your performance, just your mentality in in the game. But what we're seeing now is... He seems happy. He's he wants to do interviews. He's smiling. He's smiling on the pitch. He's smiling at his teammates. And I think it's nice that the fans are actually now. Well, I say actually now as if they were against him because and he was playing well. 
But the fans are clearly on his side now. And I think if he has a bad day, he has a bad day. The fans will be like, yeah, all right, it happens to everybody. But he's shown them what he could do now. And um, yeah, that's just going to give him boundless confidence and, and really make him want to do the best for the fans, which we have seen. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, you, you've summed it up perfectly there, to be honest. Um, so yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing more Jones and Smiles next season. Um, speaking of smiles, um, we're just going to talk got about a smiley kitty. <laughs> I mean, that's not the direction I was going to go, but that is true, listeners. Um, our cat has decided to grace us with his presence. He seems happy enough. <laughs> um, but I was actually going to talk about a different handsome boy in the form of Callum Wilson. Um, and we're just going to talk a bit about just some of the players we want to just see a bit more from next season. Now, look again at the end. And at the end of the day, listeners, you know, if, if you've been listening to this, well, even just since the start of this pod, you'll know I'm a huge fan of Callum Wilson's. And those two goals that he got, I mean, he ended the season with eight goals in 18 games for us, which, you know, that's that's near enough one in two record. You can't really ask for much more than that out of out of your striker. And he still ended ended the season as our top scorer. Um, and again, it's worth noting that it's not his fault he's always injured, but we we need more than 18 games a season out of one of our best players if we're really going to try and kick on up the table. And to be honest, you just need another striker. <laughs> yeah. Because he can't do everything on his own. And I know sometimes you know he has, there is support up there with him, obviously, especially with, with the midfielders coming in and lending a helping hand. But ideally, not only do you want a backup, you, you actually want at least three strikers in your squad to be able to give you that coverage. And you've got two who are very different from each other. Yeah. Um, really, you need another two. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, speaking of strikers, as you've just alluded to there, Chris Wood, £25 million signing in, in, in January. And again, he's another one that I point to when someone says, oh, it's all just about the money. It's like, yeah, it helps, but at the same time, you know, a lot of that money went on Chris Wood and he only scored two goals. Now, yeah, maybe, two maybe go- not the best signing, but we'll see. Those, Yeah, I mean, those two yeah. goals did get us some points that obviously helped us stay up. So I'm not trying to uh, rag on him here or anything. But I at the same time, we know that he can do better than that. He regularly got into double figures for Burnley. For whatever reason, he's just not really had the confidence this season. Hopefully, whatever chances he gets um, next season and they will... A lot of that will depend on Callum Wilson's fitness and, yeah, if we do bring anyone else in in the summer. But whatever opportunities he does get next season, we really need him to take them. I, I think I think it doesn't help is obviously, the way that Wood plays and or needs to be have the ball delivered to um, is very different to, to what Callum Wilson mm. and, and how uh, Newcastle have been playing recently. So I think it's just going to take time I, I don't think he's a he's a he's a bad player at all, but I think at the moment his main contribution is just to be such a disruption in that box, especially during set pieces. But he's always a threat just physically by standing there, um, <laughs> and any form of confusion that close to the goal is is the potential for the rest of the team. I'm now covered in cat spit. <laughs> Um, for the rest of the team, I'm getting headbutted right now. Listeners, I have a cat's face in my mouth. Um, <laughs> um, I can't even remember what I was saying, but you get a gist. 
And I thought you made some uh, I thought you made some good points before the cat rudely interrupted oh my you God. <laughs> with his face in your mouth. Yeah, in terms of just yeah, some other players. Um, I think Sam Maximan. Okay, again at the end of the day, he finished this season with five goals and five assists, which is actually numerically his best, most productive season for us yet. So again, I'm not going to like sit here and massively criticise him. He carried us almost single handedly through the Bruce years. We know how good a player he can be, but it, it and it was a slightly strange um, as we talked about before. Whilst everyone else was really taking off in the second half of the season, he just didn't quite seem to do that. Um, there were quite a few games where he didn't play super well. He was a bit frustrating, you know, giving the ball away that sort of thing. Um, we're not. There's no point. I don't think there's not much point going into. We you know we talked about it in recent weeks, but. He's one that hopefully we'll, we'll see him kind of get back to his best again next season. And again, hopefully he can build on that five goals and five assists. Because again, that is his best season yet. But at the same time, I feel like a player of his ability, he can definitely do a lot more. And hopefully will do a lot more in what should be a much more positive season, uh, much more positive uh, team and approach next season. Yeah, I think for him it's going to be almost like a, a light bulb moment. I think everything's just going to click. Because obviously he's got the ability and the skill but as we've said before, I just I just think it's just the way that the, the team's playing at the moment. But hopefully, at some point next season, early on, obviously, hopefully that click will happen and um, he'll just make such an impact to the team because he, he's always a dangerous player. He just needs that, fi- that final piece to fall into place for him. And then um, hopefully then we'll see a lot more goals coming from him because he's more than capable. Yeah, and likewise, Miguel Almiron, if, if he's still around um, next season... He started picking up in recent matches, um, which has been great to see. Hopefully, he can carry that on to next season. But for a lot of this campaign, you know, he hasn't been much of a fixture in the team. His goal the other week against Palace was amazing, but again, that was his first goal in, in basically about a year. So again, I want to see. And again, going back to smiles, I just want to see more of that armor on smile <laughs> next season. I want to see him go back to the player we all know and love. He, he's he's hardworking. We know that. I want to. I want to see what he can do in a team that is a bit more forward-thinking and really see how many goals and assists that he might be able to contribute next season as well as his his work rate as well, fingers crossed. And another player as well, just lastly, in defence, Jamal Sells, obviously second half of the season well, for most of it. He did play here and there, but you know he sort of generally took a bit of a back seat after Dan Byrne came in, him and Fabian Share. Obviously ahead of him. Excellent partnership. Yeah, yeah, they're rightfully ahead of him in the pecking order. Lascelles' form was pretty poor. I think he did need some time out of the team. But again, whether he ever regains his place as our first choice centre-back or not, he is a player who can be a proper leader for us. He was the right choice for captain um, you know, of, the, of those few years ago. In the future, we'll see. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if Kieran Trippier or, or maybe even Bruno took that on. Or Lascelles. Not Lascelles. <laughs> talking about Jolington. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the future. But again, we know what Lascelles can do. If he's still around next season, yeah, I just want to see him get back to um, being, again, the, the sort of that real sort of leader on the pitch that, that we know that he can be. Um, Especially now you've got all this new experience come in in the back um, and obviously the competition because he was heads and shoulders above the defence before. 
Um, hopefully, with with all of this new perspective, new competition, that yeah, that's something that will will change fairly rapidly, especially over this these couple of months where they've got training. But yeah, so like I say, well, we've highlighted these players that um, we want to see a bit more from next season if they're still around. Ultimately, like we're super optimistic for next season in terms of what this this team can go and do, especially. Hold the bone. Did you just say optimistic? Even forget <laughs> the other word that was in front of that. I did. I did say optimistic. <sighs> Cue all of our best players leaving in the summer and, and we get ready next New, season. Newcastle just go, going into bankruptcy. Just a sinkhole just opens no up reason. under St James's Park. And... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, look, we, we've got, we've given ourselves such a great platform to build from, you know, for for the years to come. Now, I think I think we do have every reason to be optimistic about when Newcastle can go and do the pitch. And we'll talk a bit more about that next time and in, in terms of uh, what Newcastle need to do in the transfer market. Obviously, we're at the end of the season now, so we we, we basically just we don't have enough content to fill a weekly show <laughs> for the time being. E- e- even even post-Mike Ashley, I'm not sure we're going to be that busy in the transfer market. I mean, if you so. have any ideas, please write in. <laughs> like... <laughs> Any ideas? So we you- could just play cards against humanity <laughs> and record it. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to be moving to fortnightly podcasts um, until the season starts again. So next time we um, we'll talk about any news that has happened, su- such as it is, and we'll have a bit more of a chat about what Newcastle need to be doing in the transfer market this summer. But yeah, we've we've got a good platform to build on and. Yeah, hopefully we can improve on 11th next season. First and foremost, I'll just settle for us not being in the relegation fight. I think if you'd said at the beginning of the season, before anything started, Newcastle will finish 11th, you'd be quite happy with that, to be honest. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I would have absolutely had your hand uh, off for that if you'd have offered it me in, in December or January, million percent. Well, you'd think you'd have sold your soul to the devil if that was it in uh, January or December, to be fair. So. And, well, we basically have, but... I'm going to finish on a high. Anyway, pos- listen, positivity, listeners. I'm going to fill, fill a whole half hour of one of these episodes with just cat noises. I won't <laughs> be making them. I'll just get the cat to do it. He's very vocal. Um, and, um, yeah, it's probably about as interesting as what's going to happen in the first couple of weeks of the transfer window. So, woo! <laughs> Look forward to the next episode. (laughs) Please come back, listeners. Um, (laughs) In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, as I'm sure you will be expecting me to say, listeners, that would be absolutely fantastic. And until next time, we have been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.